Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Today, we are starting a brand new collection entitled The Story You Tell Yourself. And I love my message today. Like, I gotta be honest with you. Most of the time, I love my message. I don't always love my message, but today, I really, really love this sermon. I'm really excited about where we're gonna go in this collection. Today, uh, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 13. I titled today's talk, That's My Story and I'm Sticking to It. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Today, as we kick off this brand new collection, the story you tell yourself, I hope you understand that no matter who you are, where you are, we're all telling ourselves a story. I wonder what kind of story you're telling yourself. Some of you out there right now, like you're telling yourself uh, an action story, maybe an adventure. I like an adventure story. Some of you, uh, you're telling yourself a comedy. It's really funny. You're laughing a whole lot. Some of you, maybe you're telling a drama. Hello. Maybe a mystery. Maybe some of you are telling yourself a horror story. I, I don't know what the story is you're telling yourself, but I know this. The story you tell yourself will be the life that you ultimately live. So if we're gonna be telling ourselves a story, why not tell ourselves a good story? Whew. I don't know anybody who doesn't like a good story. I love a good story. Come on, if you love a good story, say, I love good stories. I love happy stories. I love hopeful stories. I love redemption stories. You know, during uh, COVID-19, we have been in the house, my family and I, and my son, Wyatt, he's two years of age, but Wyatt is addicted to movies. In fact, when we get through this virus, I'm gonna quickly send my son to rehab for movie addiction because it starts in the morning, dad, movie. In the afternoon, dad, movie. Dinner, dad, movie. He loves movies. Congratulations, your boy, Rich Wilkerson Jr. has now watched The Jungle Book 48 times. Thank you, folks. I'll be here all week. I'm tuning in every Sunday to bring you some fun facts about my life. We're watching movies over and over and over again. And what's been interesting for me watching my two-year-old son is my son doesn't have the same vocabulary as you and I do, yet my son still loves a story. I love watching my son watch a movie. The other day we were watching Zootopia. Dad, Zootopia, the way he says it is so cute. Dad, Zootopia. But there's this scene in Zootopia, if you've ever seen it before, where this fox gets on the bunny and gives her this big scar on her face. And every time this scene comes on, every day we watch this movie, every time it comes on, my, dad, my son goes, Dad, no, no, no. He gets irate as he watches the story because it's making him feel something. Or how about when we watch Finding Nemo? I'm telling you what, stick around our church long enough, I might do a whole collection on Finding Nemo. That thing will preach. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Sometimes in life, you just gotta keep swimming. Yeah, I'm preaching to you about Nemo. Just keep swimming. But there's a scene in Finding Nemo where Nemo, the son, he gets taken on this boat. And I love it because I watch my little boy, Wyatt, every time this scene occurs, he gets off his seat on the couch and he always comes and finds me on my chair and he gets on my lap and he warms himself up next to me. Why? Because my son, even at two years of age, is moved by story. So I suppose this is one of the things I love so much about Jesus. Jesus was a master 
communicator. I don't know who you are today and I don't know how you're watching this stream. Maybe you don't believe that Jesus was the son of God. Okay, I can understand why maybe you don't believe that. But what I love about Jesus is that Jesus, there is no denying that he was the most effective communicator ever. Why? Because Jesus understood the power of story. It reminds me of this old Indian proverb I read one time. This is what it says. It says, tell me a fact and I'll learn. Tell me the truth and I'll believe. But tell me a story and it will live in my heart forever. Jesus was the greatest communicator who ever lived. How do I know? Because 2,000 years later, we're still preaching his sermons. He has like the ultimate retweet. Everything I say, if you're just tuning in, they're not my words. I'm stealing from Jesus. I'm plagiarizing the King of Kings, the author of life. I'm getting my content from Christ. But watch what Jesus did. He used the power of story. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 34. This is the message translation. All Jesus did that day was tell stories. Someone say stories. A long storytelling afternoon. His storytelling fulfilled the prophecy. I will open my mouth and tell stories. I will bring out into the open things hidden since the world's first day. You see, Jesus' favorite form of communication when he was teaching, the way he would give lessons is he would tell parables. Parables were just short stories that had a moral attached to them. Why did Jesus do this? Because Jesus understood the power of story. He understood that two-year-olds are impacted by story, and he understood that 36-year-olds are impacted by stories. And he loved to tell a good story. You know, when I think about this concept, the story that I'm telling myself, and when I just think about the concept of stories, three things come into my mind. The first is that stories are meaningful. This is very important that you're seeing this today. Stories are meaningful. Like we all come from story. Think about history. History is a collection of stories. Think about your family's history. Stories are passed down. And in many ways, our identity is made up of the stories that we've heard and that we're telling. Uh, Life, it comes from the fear, the failure. Our meaning comes from the stories that we tell. Stories bring great meaning in life. It reminds us that we are known. It reminds us that we can know other people. We know each other by our stories. It's what connects us. It's what separates us, our stories. But stories aren't just meaningful. Stories are memorable. Why do I think Jesus taught this way? Because I think Jesus understood that we remember his stories. Uh, Research was done, and the research was uh, given to some students, and they asked the students to stand up in the class and make a one-minute persuasive pitch. Now, what was really interesting is that as these students made this pitch, uh, most of the students, uh, the majority, the typical student got up and most of them shared two and a half statistics in their persuasive speech. But then one out of 10 got up and simply shared a story. What's interesting about the study is that the teacher had the students sit back down and waited 10 minutes. 10 minutes later, the teacher had everyone get out a sheet of paper and write down what they remembered from the persuasive pitch. Would you believe that only 5% of the room remembered the stats, but 65% of the room remembered the stories? Listen to me. If you want to make an impact, don't share a stat. Share a story. You, my friend, are not a stat. You're a story. 
story. You, my friend, are not simply a statistic, just a number on the earth. No, you were created and formed by God and he is writing your story. And if you're gonna tell a story, why not tell yourself a good story? Why? Because they're meaningful. They're memorable. Think about most of your memories. We remember in story. I know this as a preacher because sometimes I'll work really hard on some content. Sometimes I'll really get something theological and something really, really deep and I'll preach it. But it's funny because someone will come up to me afterwards and be like, Pastor Rich, I just love that story about your son, Wyatt. I'm like, that was just like, that was a 30 second moment. But, but people remember in story. Stories meaningful, stories are memorable. But how many know that stories oftentimes are misunderstood? See, today especially in the crisis that we have on our hands, this pandemic, I wanted to talk to you in this collection, the story you tell yourself, because it is so easy, especially right now, with crisis, with challenge, with pain, with suffering, that we start telling ourselves a bad story. Some of you, the way you talk to yourself is literally an indictment against Jesus. Jesus died for you. You wanna know how much you're worth to God? You're worth Jesus. But the way you talk about his creation, which is yourself, is honestly disappointing and heartbreaking to the Father. Many of us, we say things like, I'm not good enough. Many of us say things like, it's always gonna be this way. We tell ourselves things like, oh, if I would've been born in that family, then I could've succeeded. We create excuses. We talk about all of our limitations. We talk about our addictions. We talk about our problems. We talk about our failures. We constantly over and over again, remind ourselves of all that's wrong rather than all that is right. And listen to me, when you tell a bad story, what you're doing is, is you are declaring that your life is meaningless. And rather than remember the truth, you're going to remember a lie. Friend, the story you tell yourself will be the life that you live. If you don't like your life currently, maybe you should check the story you've been writing. Because so often the words, the thoughts, the confessions, they give way into a narrative, into a life that maybe we didn't dream of, but maybe we conjured it up. I think the reason why sometimes story is misunderstood is because Many times when it comes to story, often people, we think that um, good stories are free from conflict and struggle. This is what goes in our mind. We think like any conflict, any obstacle, any struggle, well, that, now my story's bad. But come on, like, it's actually the opposite. It's actually the furthest thing from the truth. Like, good stories are full of conflict, are full of struggles. Good stories at times are confusing, but, but they come into clarity. Good, good stories are messy. They're not easy, but they have a resolve. They have a purpose. They, they tell a bigger story. See, just for a moment, because I know this is a different type of collection, and some of you, you're like my age. You've been out of school for a while. I'm 36. I, I, can't, I can barely remember you know, seventh grade English, but can you remember English 101 or go back to your English class? Remember the five elements of a good story? What are the five elements of a good story? Because this is good that you get this in your heart today because we're gonna go somewhere for the next few weeks. I'm gonna help you write a good story. I'm gonna help you tell yourself a good story. But you better know the elements of a story. The elements of a story is it starts with characters. 
Characters, what are characters? Characters are the people, are the things within the story. And ultimately, there's a character typically known as the hero. That's the main character that solves the problem at hand. But there's also a setting. That's, that's the location of where the story is being told. There's a plot. That's the actual story that's, that's happening. There's this thing called conflict because every story actually has conflict. But ultimately, there's a resolution. These are the elements of a good story. And friend, I want you to see today that many of you, the reason why you keep telling yourself a bad story is because you have a misunderstanding of a good story. A good story is not free from conflict. No, a good story has struggle. A good story has pain. Just because you have obstacles today doesn't stop you from having opportunities. Just because you have some setbacks doesn't mean that you're gonna be held back forever. Every good story has a struggle to share. Maybe today, you could start telling yourself a good story if you could reframe and repackage the thing that you are going through. Here's what I believe today, and here's what I wanna share with you. I believe that every good story starts with God's story. And that's really where we're kicking off today. Today is really simple, but so very, very important as we go into the next few weeks, because I'm gonna help you tell yourself a good story. As I say that to you, I don't mean that your story is gonna be free from suffering, free from pain, free from struggle. No, a good story has conflict. But I believe in Jesus, there is a great resolve. But many of us, the reason why we don't know our story is because we don't know his story. You're gonna have to learn God's story. My story actually doesn't make sense until I understand God's story. This is gonna be new for some of y'all. My story doesn't make any sense until I understand God's story. If you have a story, if your mom has a story, if your friend has a story, if your grandparents have a story, don't you think God has a story too? And if you don't know God's story, you're never gonna be able to tell a good story. I love what the psalmist says. Psalm chapter 48, this is so beautiful. Circle Zion, take her measure, Count her fortress peaks, gaze long at her sloping bulwark, climb her citadel heights. Watch this. Then you can tell the next generation, detail by detail, the story of God. God has a story, and you and I are to herald and share his story. When I understand God's story, I'll understand my story. When I understand God's story, then I'll be ready to tell a good story. Come on, somebody, if you believe that, put your hands together. Give me some 100s in the chat room. I'm coming for you today. I believe God is gonna speak to you. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. You see, God's story has four basic parts. Some of you, this will be a reminder, but others of you, maybe you've never ever heard this ever before. God's story is told in four parts. Let me share them with you. The first part of God's story is known as creation. Everyone out loud say creation. Come on, just type it in, creation. Always more fun uh, when you go to church online to interact in the chat rooms. Always more fun to to shout at the preacher. Typically, if you come to Voo Church, when we gather physically, we have a loud church. Don't have the smartest church. Don't have the biggest church, but we got a loud, rowdy, 
Pentecostal church. So I want all the Pentecostals, all the charismatic, all those that still believe in the Bible, the whole thing, that even our shadows can bring dead people back to life. Light these comments up. Somebody say creation. Listen to this. Genesis chapter one, verse one. Here is God's story, the beginning. First verse of the Bible, Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, just in that verse alone, we get the first two parts of what a good story needs. We find out the setting, God's setting for the story that he's telling is the heavens and the earth. But notice, this is so important you see this. We also get the character in the beginning, God. God is the central character of his story. Now, you gotta get this. The creation account begins with God. Has it ever occurred to you? Nothing has ever occurred to God. God is the creator. Nothing created God. He always was, always is, and always will be. And your story starts with God. God is the central character. This is, this is fundamental towards what it is that we believe because many times people, they create another narrative that is actually not in God's word. Many times we think that God created us human beings because we think that God's like lonely. We think God's like, oh, you know, God, he wanted fellowship. But you gotta be careful with that talk because God is all sufficient meaning there has never been a day that God was lonely, okay? God doesn't get lonely. God is not in need of anything. God was the beginning and God will continue to be. We could never create him. He's creator, we are creation. He is the main character. We are supporting actors at best. He doesn't need us, he wants us. You see, the whole story God is telling is not about you and me. That's secondary. The whole story God is telling is the glory of God. The whole story is about him. Yet many of us, the reason why we continue to tell a bad story is because you and I, we try to make ourselves the hero of our story. You see, good stories have a character and that character known as the main character is typically a hero and the hero is the one who solves the problem. But listen to me, the problem that you and I are dealing with, we can't solve on our own. There's only one who can solve that problem. His name is Jesus. He's the hero of the story. And if I keep putting myself as the hero of my story, it will only result in me resenting myself and others because I will always let myself down. And many of us today, the reason why your story that you keep telling is so bad is because you keep trying to be the main character. Watch this, write this down. Tell your story with God as the main character. See, God's story begins with God. Creation begins with God. God goes on a beautiful run of creating. He he creates animals and he creates people and it's beautiful. And every time he finishes creating, what does he say? He says, it is good. God was declaring that all of his design was perfect. All of his creation, nothing missing, nothing broken. And many times when my story is difficult, 
many times when I'm up against obstacles, many times when I'm facing conflict, I need to remember that God's story starts with creation because the creator is still creating. You know, in my house, uh, my family is comprised of myself, my wife, and my two sons, Wyatt Wesley and Wild Wesley. And many people would say, uh, you know, you and Don Shree, you created those boys. But come on, we know that's not true. Because Don Shree and I, for eight years, we struggled to even be able to have a baby. And we cried out and we sought God in eight years of an infertility journey. Our God who's still creating, he gave us our son Wyatt and then he gave us our son Wild. Listen to me. When he's the main character of your life, things go better. You know, I could try to say that I found Don Cherie. I could try to act like somehow I created that moment, but come on, out of all the people in the world, 17 years of age, I'm in a church service and I look up and I see that beautiful blonde-headed girl. You telling me that I created that? You're telling me that I had something to do with that? No, I believe the creator was creating because he is the main character. Listen to me, write your story with God as the main character. Next time you go to the mall, I don't know when that's gonna be, but next time you get to go and you find a good parking spot, that's God, main character. Next time you go to the mall and you go to look for a good parking spot and no good parking spot shows up, all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, let's have some good conversation on the long walk to the parking spot. That right there, that's God. See, when God is the main character, it all of a sudden takes things that seem meaningless and brings depth to it because he is the God who gets glory, not just in good stuff, but even bad stuff. I am not the hero. He is the hero. And I write my story with God as the main character for he is to get glory. My story starts with his story. Friend, this is huge in your life that if you have put God first, make him the main character. Listen to me, my entire life now is all about God's mission. See, God, he created there in the garden known as Eden. And there's a verse and it says this, it says that man and woman were created and they were naked and they felt no shame. <laughs> I like that verse. I kind of think that's what heaven's gonna look like. We're gonna be naked and feel no shame. <laughs> but how many know that today, you and I were clothed, but we're still hiding? Because something happened, and this is where God's story, it takes a turn. This is where the conflict, we have the setting, we have the character, we have the plot, God wants glory, but now here comes this conflict. This conflict is known in the second part of God's story as the fall. It's known as the fall of man. You see, Adam and Eve were created in this garden and there was one boundary, there was one rule and that was do not eat from that tree over there. But one day Eve was walking in the garden just doing her thing and a serpent, or I should say Satan in the form of a serpent began to speak to her. It's amazing because some of us were still listening to snakes. And every time you listen to a snake, a snake is gonna tell you a different story about God. And what does the snake say to Eve? The snake says to Eve, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from this tree? The snake takes it further. The snake says, the reason why God told you not to eat from this tree is because God knows that if you eat from this tree, you'll become like him. And he tempted her to her flesh. This is what Satan to this day still does. Satan tries to tell you a different story that's not true about God. 
But remember, the story you tell yourself will be the life that you live. When you start telling yourself Satan's story, that's going to produce in you the life that Satan is after for you. What does she do? She eats the fruit because Satan always says the same thing. God doesn't want you to have fun. God doesn't want you to be the real you. God doesn't want you to have real freedom. Be you, live your own truth. But the moment she ate the fruit was the moment that we call it the fall of man, that sin entered the world, that we tried to achieve God's status through our own merit and through our own effort. And with it, we broke the heart of God and sin severed our relationship and we have been in hiding ever since because right away they recognized that they were naked and that's when shame set in. I know today that we walk around with clothes and we're not physically naked, but so many of us, we're, we're naked in our sin. We're, we're exposed. We've been caught red-handed and that which was created to be perfect, nothing missing, nothing broken, has now been damaged and destroyed. It's what sin does. I was thinking the other day about viruses and how viruses on your computer. You ever get a virus on your computer? Typically, a virus on a computer, it shows up with a banner ad of some sort that's promising you something good. Yet the moment you click on it, all of a sudden your computer begins to be corrupted and from the inside out, it begins to destroy the computer. This is what sin does in our life. We click on the banner ad that looks so promising and so good. Fruit looks good, but this fruit was not selected by God. This fruit was selected by Satan. It's called short-term pleasure. And the moment I eat from the fruit, before you know it, maybe it might take a while for my body to decay, but the moment I eat the fruit, my soul becomes decayed. And it's the virus known as sin. And the virus known as sin has been our greatest conflict since its inception. Listen to me, you don't have any problems bigger than the sin problem. I know right now we got COVID-19. COVID-19 is scary. Many people have lost their life. We're praying for a solution. We're praying for a healing. I pray over your life right now that that thing does not come near your home. But COVID-19 is not your biggest problem. It compares nowhere to sin. Sin has a 100% death rate. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And ever since our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
of sin that was never a part of God's original design and life is not fair because sin has entered the world. And once again, maybe you're watching right now, you don't even believe in God or believe in Jesus, but I got a feeling there are some days, even though your bank account might be high and even though you might be married to the person you always wanted to marry, and maybe even got kids that are in college or maybe you got a successful job, I don't know, but all of us will face days where all of a sudden the fog, it lifts and we're able to see clearly and we say, wait a minute, something's not right here. Something is broken. Many times this occurs during tragedy. I remember 9-11, I was 17 years of age. I was actually on an airplane on the day of 9-11. I was grounded in Chicago and as we walked through Chicago O'Hare Airport with nobody around, they had turned off all the television screens because they weren't sure if there were terrorists in the airport. Finally, we got into a room, we were able to watch the news and just as clear as day, you recognize, man, this is a result of a fallen humanity. This is not the way God designed it. We destroyed God's design. We have a conflict. Oh, but praise God for Jesus and thank the Lord that he doesn't leave us in the conflict, but thank God there's a third part to the story. Here we go, cue the climax, cue the third part. The third part of God's story is this word called redemption. Somebody say redemption today. Oh, come on, it's just a gospel sermon on church online. Your story starts with God's story and God's story has the word redemption in it. You see, a good story's got characters, it's got setting, it's got a plot, it's got conflict, but in that conflict comes this word climax, and the climax of God's story is the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, you can go back through history. No, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know what has already happened. And when I come up to a part of my story that I don't understand, when I face a struggle, when I face an obstacle, when I feel like I'm in a setback and I'm not sure, can I ever make a comeback? All I need to do is go back to God's word. And from Genesis chapter three, ever since the fall of man, Genesis three, all the way to Revelation, there is a story of God's redemptive plan that God has always been trying to redeem you and I back to himself. And finally, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Why? For God so loved the world. Watch this. This is beautiful. The climax always happens at just the right moment. There's tension. And read read Romans chapter five with me from a climactic standpoint. You see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, this is my favorite part of God's story. It's called redemption, friends. And God, he redeemed us. Why? Because of his love for us. Listen to me. God's redemption story is completely motivated solely for his love for you and I. That as he redeems us and as we worship him back, he believes that will bring him the greatest glory. Why? Because he is the main 
character. He is the hero. Thank God for our hero, Jesus, who came, laid down his life. We were fallen. We could not get back up. But Jesus came, traded places with us, took my death, took your death, resurrected from the grave. We celebrated it last Sunday. Why? So that we could live his life, so that the story he designed, we could now live. It's called redemption. It's called redemption. And over and over again, we thank him for his love for us. And anytime I come up against something that I don't know how I'm gonna face, I always remember those simple words, but God so loved the world. COVID-19, I know it's real, but God so loved the world. My job, I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this, but God so loved the world. I'm dealing with depression, but God so loved the world. He is a redeeming God and he will redeem you back to himself. And this is why we worship. And this is where our story begins. But God's story doesn't end with redemption. No, you and I, we are waiting for something far greater. We are waiting for this last part of the story, which is this word, restoration. Everyone say restoration. See, a good story starts with God's story. And I gotta know God's story if I'm ever gonna tell myself the right story. Good stories aren't free from conflict, no. God uses the conflict, God uses the struggle. Obstacles have opportunities. Setbacks are always before a comeback. God is telling the story with my life, but I better know God's story first, creation, fall, redemption, and lastly, restoration. This is the best news that you and I have today. You see, God, he has a plan. And the plan is, is that Christ will return. And when Christ returns, we're gonna have a new heaven and a new earth. And I can't think of a better time to start talking about heaven than right now in this moment. Thousands have lost their life to the coronavirus. But I'm telling you what, in heaven, there is no coronavirus. Millions have lost their job. But guess what? In heaven, there is no such thing as unemployment. And so I don't live my life for the temporary. I live my life for the eternal. And I think about what it is that God is going to restore. You see, restoration is when you bring something back to its original design. You know, this morning I woke up and my trash was full. And so I took out the trash bag and I put it in the trash can and I, I restored my trash can by putting a new trash bag. That's pretty simple. Maybe your car's broken down and probably gonna need a professional for that, but you gotta go get your car restored, bring it back, reset it back to its original design. You see, the design was destroyed through sin, but Jesus came to redeem us from our sin. He died our death. Now we can live eternally. Yes, our earth is still dealing with the effects of sin, but we have great hope today because our God is the only one who could restore the earth to its original design and who could create a new heaven and a new earth so that you and I could be back in relationship with him. Oh, listen to John the Revelator as he describes this place called heaven. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God 
prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Watch this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Oh friends, If you don't know God's story, you'll never tell yourself a good story. And today your story starts with God's story. And when you come up against a chapter, when you come up against a sentence, when you come up against a scene that you don't know how to deal with, what you do is you remind yourself of God's story. You remind yourself that you're not the main character. You're not the hero. You can't solve your greatest conflict called sin. You need a redeemer. His name is Jesus. And then you remind yourself that yes, I will die in this earth, whether through a virus or through some other type of accident. But I know this, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Savior. So now I can quote like the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain because I am no longer living for the temporary. I am living for the eternal. And it's in the eternal that God will restore everything back to its right order. Oh friends, this is good news. This is where my story begins. You must understand today, that our story is for God's glory. Our story is for God's glory. Over the next few weeks, I wanna help you tell yourself a good story. But all stories are bad stories if they're not telling a God story. I've been watching so many movies during this quarantine break, I'm sure you have as well. And I always love in those movies, maybe it's a it's a cop movie or maybe it's a mystery. You ever notice that they, they arrest somebody and somebody got into trouble, they, they, they did something and then they get put into that back room where they start getting questioned. And they're questioning the person, they're questioning the person. And many times the person is guilty. But what does the person do? They just continue to say, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. The lawyer would say, hey, don't, don't change your story. Keep the same story, keep your alibi. Even if you're innocent, keep, keep the story. When it comes to our story of humanity, we are all guilty. But the good news today is that we don't tell our story. Romans chapter eight, verse 17 says, if we're willing to share in his suffering, then we will also share in God's glory. And so yes, the truth is I'm guilty, but I'm not gonna share that story any longer because I have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And so I am guilty, but I'm sticking to my story that he declares I am forgiven. Yeah, I know I'm unqualified, but I'm done telling you that story. I'm gonna start sticking to my story, which is I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Listen, listen, I'm afraid. I'm I'm scared today, but yo, yo, I'm telling you a different story. I'm telling you God's story. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm not breaking away from it. I'm sticking to the script. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I was unqualified, I am guilty. I had fallen and I couldn't get up, but Jesus Christ, he came and he rescued me. And I believe even right now he is restoring me. 
he is forming me into his image. And my entire life is to live to give him glory. My story is for his glory. And so I don't know how this is going to end, but I know this, that even if it ends in a way that I don't like, he will get glory from my story. My story is a small part of his story, history. Today, friend, why don't you start telling a good story? Good story begins with God's story. Don't make your life meaningless. Don't remember the bad stuff. Don't misunderstand the power of a story. Declare out loud, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm sticking to that. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lame, but yo, now I'm walking. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive in Jesus. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Thank God for his grace. See, this is true for you and I as individuals. We're so grateful for God's grace. But I want you to know today, you must declare his story because he always will stick to his story. Even Jesus had to stick to the script as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Last week, we examined the resurrection in other news. But yo, Jesus, on that early Friday morning in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he did not want to go to the cross. We hear him say aloud, Father, if it's at all possible, let, let, let this cup pass from me. But Father, my flesh is weak, but my spirit's willing. I, I want your will, not my will. And even from the cross, we know that the Father turned his head from Jesus. Jesus cries out, Eloah, Eloah, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, this is the part of the story that many people don't want to tell. Because Jesus is saying, God, why are you telling this story? But God the Father, who's going to get glory in any and everything, he simply shouts back, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Can you stick with me in suffering? Can you stick with me in uncertainty? Can you stick with me in pain? Can you trust that I have done something eternally for you, even when you can't see it temporarily? God declares, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I'm gonna use this tragedy and I'm gonna get glory. I'm gonna use what appears to be a defeat, but I'm gonna declare I am victorious. I'm inviting you into a God story. I'm inviting you into the greatest story ever told. Oh friend, a God story is not free from conflict. A God story is not free from struggle. A God story is not free from pain. A God story is not free from suffering, but a God story is full of eternal life and life more abundantly. Story you tell yourself will be the life you live. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.